0: This is the Picard Podcast on TV Podcast Industries, and we're back with the Star Trek Picard Season 1 finale at An Arcadia Ego Part 2. Welcome back, fellow Trekkies and Trekkers. This is TV Podcast Industries, and we're talking about the final episode of Star Trek Picard Season 1 at an Arcadia Ego Part 2. I'm one of your hosts, Derek. Joel and True, fellow Trekkers and
1: Trekkies, I am one of your other hosts, John.
2: And rounding out this trio of Trekkers and Trekkies and Trekkites, and (laughs) I'm pretty sure a few other things, it is I, Chris. I am back for the finale, because no one asked for it. And none of you wanted it, but what the hell <laughs> I'm
0: here. We wanted it we 're delighted to have you back, Chris. <laughs> um what we've been doing in some of the time that we haven't been talking about picard we've been recording podcasts on penny dreadful which have been going on 3 or 4 hours so it feels like it's been probably about 12 or 14 hours of podcasting that we haven't recorded with you chris and that's yes. just in the last week i know <laughs>
2: exactly it's been it's been so, it's been a whole seven days and i'm like it's been so long
0: I, <laughs> I miss my guys absolutely i know i know uh, welcome back and a big big well wish to everybody out there listening hope you're all taking care of yourselves at the moment we know it's really really tough time and we hope that our podcasts provide a little bit of entertainment to relieve a little bit of the boredom that comes with that with being indoors so much we totally understand how difficult it must be for everybody because everybody's going through it right
2: yeah it's a worldwide thing um and uh, if you are not doing it we highly recommend that you do it um now Just go, but it does allow some time, uh, to binge to listen to additional podcasts. So if you haven't checked out the defenders or Daredevil season one, two or three or Jessica Jones season one or two or any of our previous shows, why not jump back? It's perfect time to binge and listen and, uh, yeah, just uh, enjoy the back catalog of, uh, our show. Uh, But at the same time. We also have stuff coming up in the future, like yes. Penny Dreadful.
0: Yes, we do. And uh, speaking of binging, um, if you want to get prepared for Penny Dreadful, City of Angels that's coming out on the 26th of April, it's a perfect time to go back and watch the first three seasons of Penny Dreadful. Uh, myself, John, and uh, our extra co-host, we'll call him, uh, Ray, from Into the Night, the Moon Knight podcast, have been going back through the last three seasons. Uh, I have a podcast coming out, I think it's probably going to be out Monday next week. Uh, where myself and John and Ray talked about the first four episodes. It's almost three hours long, that one podcast. So uh, that'll be coming out next week. You can get access to that if you go over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash Industries. All the episodes are posted there already, uh, so you can get access to them there. But you'll get the first four on the main feed from next week. Uh, highly recommend going back and checking out uh, Penny Dreadful. I know some people missed out on it the first time. Uh, it was out a couple of years ago, but it's uh, such, such a good series.
2: Yes, it really is. You can't beat Victorian horror. Mm-hmm. And, uh yeah, like, what else are you going to be doing now? <laughs> uh, just thinking, all, all the Christmas babies have been made already. Mm-hmm. So oh, at true. this point, we're just like, all right, now you got to listen to our podcast there and you go. just binge on Netflix and every other show.
1: Exactly. Well, apparently there is a shortage of condoms uh now going really? around globally. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I did not hear that. That's. Uh, that's... I, pr- I just I'm read proud that proud recently. Of the human
2: race for uh, being protective. Excellent. Absolutely,
1: absolutely. I <laughs> suppose people could be using them as another form of glove, maybe
2: <laughs> or <laughs>
1: something like
0: that. But or maybe uh, the makers yes. were diverted into making gloves. Maybe possibly.
2: Or 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 it's one for every finger.
1: Yes, there you <laughs> go.
2: <Because they> <laughs> packet ten, perfect. Or a handy
1: place to put your Cadbury's finger or Kit Kat.
2: But speaking of a Cadbury's finger, uh, I'm quite hungry, but I could really do with a pub sandwich and a packet of crisps yes. and a pint. <laughs> so uh, I think it's so about time we go over to uh, ten forward.
1: Yes, fellow Trekkers and Trekkies, pull up your bar stool to the 10 Forward pub quiz. Get a bottle of your Synthahol, which doesn't seem to be too great, but no. I think a dash of uh, lime cordial may just uh, sweeten it up a little. It's certainly great enough. It's certainly green enough indeed, <laughs> but yes, I don't think uh Rios and seven of nine were fans of the synth a whole, no. um at all, but nonetheless, let's persist with it uh what's good for the geese is good for the gander, um so we we will have that. We're doing the ten forward pub quiz up front here just so that there is extra time for fellow trekkies and trekkers to come in with your answer to uh this episodes. Question. Uh, so here we go. Here is the 10th and final pub quiz question for Star Trek Picard. What does Dr. Gerati call the device that Rios used to fix La Serena and Picard used to pull off the updated Picard maneuver? Just to repeat that, what does Dr. Gerati call the device that Rios used to fix La Serena and Picard used? to pull off the updated
0: Picard Maneuver. Excellent, excellent. Uh, we are not going to accept magic wand or imaginary fictional item. <laughs> there is a specific phrase that Jurati uses in the episode. That's what we're looking for, for our answer. As John mentioned, that's the 10th question in our pub quiz for the season. That means you can now answer. send in all your answers to us for all the 10 forward pub quiz questions. Email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com and the person who gets the most answers right Wins our Star Trek Picard goodies, including a make-it-of book, um, a badge from uh, Starfleet, which we see on uh, Commander Will Riker, or Captain Will Riker in this episode. Uh, see that badge? so Acting you get Captain one of Will Riker. That's right. And, of course, a pub quiz wouldn't be
1: the same without one of the prizes being a huge beer steiner, so you can... <laughs> neck your favorite tipple excellent excellent and just before we uh, maneuver on then we will also put a list of all 10 pub quiz questions on the release of this podcast episode for everyone to provide their answers by wednesday of next week so that is the first of april mm-hmm. april fools that's everyone right.
0: that's right we we'll promise you will be getting
1: the goodies <laughs> uh, yes. i'll
0: probably also put them up on our facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash tv podcast industries we'd love to see you join us over there and we will also obviously be doing a final episode for our star trek picard podcast which will be uh, closing down all of the episodes uh, of the show of the season uh, giving the answers to the poker's questions and obviously awarding those picard goodies to one of our fellow Trekkies and Trekkers. That'll be out uh, next week. So uh, get your answers in by Wednesday and hopefully we'll have uh, a good old battle as we did last time when we did our Watchmen quiz. Exactly. Indeed, I'm thinking in this time of COVID,
1: uh, not cholera, uh, Mm. we should possibly try and do a regular pub quiz event, uh, possibly through Zoom or one of these (laughs) other apps. Uh, I think it could be quite good to have that meetup of all the... Picard, Watchmen, Defenders, uh, and other uh, fellows uh, for a pub quiz, I reckon. Excellent. Will you get working on that, John? Yeah, I will do. Yeah. Okay.
2: Grant. <laughs> Done. John is just giving himself homework. Yes. Right. I love that. Stand.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Done. Excellent. Let's get into this episode of Star Trek Picard, episode 10 of season one. Et in Arcadia Ego Part 2. The teleplay for this episode was written by Michael Shabon, story by Michael Shabon and Akiva Goldsman, and directed once again by Akiva Goldsman. John, do you want to give us the official episode description for this one? Sure.
1: A final confrontation on the Synthetic's homeworld, Capellius, pits Picard and his team against the Romulans, as well as the Synths, who seek to safeguard their existence at all costs.
0: A tiny description. It is. Considering how many... um deaths and how many reanimations we have in this episode and that kind of stuff. So, uh, yes. so they kind of avoided all shied, the big points. Yeah, it's yeah. certainly shied
1: away from the spoilers.
2: <laughs> Can I just uh, pause for one second uh, and give a bit of insight into, a kind of peel back the curtain slightly for our listeners. We use a doc because we're not always in the, well, we're typically not always in the same room mm-hmm. when we record. So we use document just to kind of put the. And one thing we usually have there is the IMDb photos of... Uh, the actual actors with mm-hmm. their names, just so we can kind of refer it back. So we never kind of, we, we messed it up a few times back in the previous times. So now we just want to make sure that we're always on point. And one I just noticed for the first time in the finale, Evan Ivagora, mm-hmm. who plays Elnor, yeah. his IMDb photo is basically him topless mm-hmm. <laughs> in black and white. And I'm like, Everyone else has a pretty much headshotty kind of thing. yeah. And it just looks like... And it's just like, randomly, it's just a nipple in his face.
0: <laughs> well, let's say you may have noticed that for the first time in episode 10, Chris, but I don't think myself and John noticed it for the first yes. time this time. There
1: is a reason he is one of my favourite characters.
2: <laughs> well, good to know. Now I understand. <laughs> there you was I just, like, <laughs> was just like looking at it, just scrolling with... Oh, that's a nipple. There you go. Not anyway. to
1: say I've been stalking him. But I do believe that his IMDb, um, picture has now updated. I think that's, I think the one we have is an older version <laughs> yes. of it.
0: It may, it may have been something that was taken before he was on the show. So, uh, so it might, might be that. Anyway, boys, let's get into our big moments for the episode.
2: We must face the ramifications of the prime directive.
0: Chris, what's your prime directive, the big moment for the episode that you want to talk about?
2: So I just want to talk about 218 birds, 10 flowers, and one Laceriana. But This is the big point for me. This was the, the battle that happened. Um, first of all, uh, 10 orchids. Um, wow, these orchids, not fully explained, <laughs> which was I was just a bit <laughs> upset about. I was like, wait, are they like Soji? Are they like synthetic organics? Uh, or are they just an alien life form? that kind of native to that planet? Uh, or are they actually technology? Never really explained, but okay.
0: Yeah, I think, I think they did say something about them building more in episode nine. Yeah. Uh, but they build them fast. They got up to like 23 by the end, by after like, you know, 20 minutes of conversation in the last episode. Uh, and now we have a few more in this episode, I think uh, as the defense grid for the planet, but it is a weird defense yeah, grid, isn't it? <laughs> the flare is coming out in space. Flare
2: was it going to wrap up? Here. It's pretty.
1: It's a pretty defense grid, mm-hmm. but you would expect them to be a little more robust. Uh, like the the point I had down for this was flower power is no match for the warbirds. Well, exactly. Um, <laughs> like basically, um they are rendered useless. Um, so I, I thought they would be a bit more robust uh, than that, given that, you know, they they do take down the Borg cube, mm-hmm. which presumably was armed and ready to engage. I think uh, it was
0: just shocked. I think they were just surprised when they arrived. So I presume the the Romulans had been notified that these fires are being, going to be coming at you. Don't wait for them. <laughs> Shoot them down before they get near you. I did like La Sirena using it as uh, as kind of their own shield as they were avoiding the Romulan uh, ships. Yeah coming in i thought that was kind of cool a a little bit of protection for them i suppose they'd probably be ripped out of the sky pretty quickly if the flowers hadn't yeah
2: well so originally they said they had 15 five were used in the previous episode so they had 10 Mm -hmm. and they made the joke is 10 enough to take down well 10 could probably take down 109 what about the Mm -hmm. other 109 and i was like yeah that's okay, cool. So that's where I come in with the ten. Yeah, and they they probably yeah. managed to pull more. One of the things about Star Trek that I've always enjoyed is the it doesn't it hasn't always had a reliance on Star War, starship sort of mm-hmm. war, star battles. Yeah. Uh this was still good and the action and the action was well-centered, the CGI was well-done. I I, I thought they potentially might lean heavily into this and we were going to get a kind of, like, a Top uh, (laughs) Gun-esque maverick. (laughs) Picard is taking over the ship and he is going to end up, like, destroying hundreds... Like, because he... He was a good pilot back in the day, and <laughs> no, it was do- it was well done. It was it was a good use of everything. Mm-hmm. Like the pulling out uh, the Picard maneuver, um, mm-hmm. all of it was just well done. And I think that's kind of yeah. It, it subverted the expectation I had. I think that's probably the best way of putting it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think it wouldn't have felt like Star Trek if we didn't have a conversation that resolved the major issue rather than. It just being a massive battle in Star Trek. They have, as you say, Chris, they have tended to avoid the massive battles or the massive battles have been a starting point for a big storyline. Exactly. You know, the, the, probably the most well known one is the Borg versus all of Starfleet at Wolf 359. That was an incident that happened where there was a massive battle. And then for the next five or six years, stories were generated off the back of that massive battle. Um, so having, having the season of Picard end with a massive battle between the fleet of Romulans versus the, versus Starfleet. It just would have felt weird in this show if that's the way it ended, I suppose.
1: Yeah, I, I really, um, I, I enjoyed the battle. I think, um, dare I say it, this is how you do big space battles, yeah. um, with massive amounts of ships. And um, like, I much preferred the way this has been realized than the, all the star destroyers in The Rise of Skywalker. And mm. um, they kind of just seem to, you know, like the warbirds actually fire their guns. You know, the, yeah. there's actually a battle. I just felt this was really nicely realized. And I thought, you know, seeing uh, Picard maneuvering La Serena through the orchids, um, although I still think they look like lilies, um, <laughs> was was really, really good. Um, and, uh, I just, I, I, thought it was nicely done and seeing that moment as well, where then you get the Starfleet coming up against, uh, the Romulan fleet, uh, was just really good. I, it, it felt epic. It, yeah. it felt that something could happen, uh, even though it's, it's primarily just a stand down for, of the Romulans, but, you you've had all this action beforehand uh and i thought it was done really really well and i think like you say chris you know these flowers have been a bit divisive but you're right star trek because it looks at other planets and looks at different cultures and all that through the federation and first contact and meeting new species Mm -hmm. and they all have their different quirks and in, in in this sense the species of the synthetic is very much trying to emulate organic. So Mm -hmm. they've provided that's how they've developed this, this system in a sense um, of, of orchids. It 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 allows for much more variety of imagination, shall we say? Yeah. Exactly.
2: If I had it recorded with you in the last episode, my fear was that this was an organic life from that planet. Mm -hmm. And I was like, are they just going to commit genocide? And we're going to just skip <laughs> over that? Like a whole thing yeah. just got destroyed. Like an ecosystem. No, we find out that it, it they is. They're, they're made. So the assumption is they're yes. grown or built. But yeah, um, again, it's, it's Star Trek. It's as Derek said, the battle was used as a precursor. Uh, and we were given right up to the edge of an all out. Battle. Mm-hmm. I think some people would have wanted that—that that big yep. battle between yep. Starfleet and the Romulans, like the, the All of these big, big ships versus yeah. the Romulan warbirds. But I think actually, I'm happy with the way that this 280 warbirds versus 10 flowers and one little, one little ship that could mm-hmm. manage to de-escalate. Like, well, okay, there's obviously a lot more work we'll, we'll discuss. These yeah, other points, absolutely. But that was that was my big <laughs> point. My big point was, I thought I wanted a big, massive, epic space battle, right? Because I always like big, epic battles. <laughs> but no, this was actually a nice. This was nice.
0: Yes, I, I, I just couldn't imagine that at the end of this series. I kind of feel like if, if that's what was the expectation that it was leading to a massive battle in the last episode. Even the synopsis for the episode, the official synopsis, sounds like you're going to get a big battle. But it feels like you wouldn't have watched the other nine episodes of the show because the whole nine episodes of the show are quite contemplative um in general. And, you know, it's it's dealing with Picard and dealing with him as a character. So uh, if it was leading to a massive battle, it would feel weird, I think. At the That's end of the it. And I
1: think as well, seeing Picard and Dr. Jurati on La Serena, I and I like the way she... Turns to him and says, um, "So, what's the big plan? <laughs> what are we doing?" Um, I thought it was really good because it, it, you know, Picard had something in his mind, but it wasn't maybe fully formed, and he was trying to get to grips with piloting last Serena. But uh, I, I, I liked that idea that there was a, a make it up as you go along kind of yeah, thing. Um, I thought that was really good. You know, yeah. he, he was going out there actually not to stop the Warbirds, but to stop soji and in doing so stop the war birds. so i thought that was kind of yeah. quite good
0: perfectly laid me up for my prime directive there john thank you uh my prime moment from the episode my big moment from the episode is soji's choice i kind of like that yeah that was similar her- to sophie's choice there, yes. yeah. there you go um, you smarty <laughs> pants there i'm sure that was the reason she was called soji for the beginning <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I really like it because it, again it comes down to john luke picard having this moment where he is uh believing in the abilities of others he believes in other people to make the right decisions and make the right choices that's what he's always lived his life by and always lived his code by really so having this discussion with geraddy aboard at la serena where he says to her it's not their fault they're just children they've just been brought up the wrong way they've been brought up and they've been taught by fear and fear is not a good teacher what is a good teacher is leading by example And he sacrifices himself effectively. That This is his moment where he's saying to Soji, you have been told for the last couple of weeks now at this stage that in your all of your investigations that you are the destroyer of worlds. You're the person that's going to bring down the Romulan Empire and the rest of the galaxy because this is what their prophecy says. But this is your choice. This is your moment to realize if you stop doing what the prophecy said you were going to do, then you just become a normal person making choices. You have that moment of self-actualization, basically. So um, I, I really love this moment, and I love that it ends with uh, Soji making that right decision, effectively. Um, it, it's, it feels so Star Trek to me, um, that idea that you don't necessarily need to bring an army into a country, destroy everything that they own to take their power. You can work with them and join together together. And hopefully go to a better, brighter future. It just feels so much more Picard than uh, than any other resolution for the show. So I'm so glad it ended in this way.
1: Yeah, definitely. I I think this whole thing around Soji's choice um uh throughout this episode. Uh, whether it was on their homeworld world uh, as Picard is held in captivity you know she's got this binary choice you choose if we live you choose if we die meaning organics um and Picard you know throws that back to her well you choose and to say that you have no choice is is a failure of imagination mm-hmm. i think is um you you have that element and then you have again him reiterating that choice that is open to her to not turn on the beacon mm-hmm. to Trust in other people. Um, and as you say, it is a great line. Fear is a poor teacher. Um, and his learning by doing or his example is that he will give her uh, his life. I just think it's, yeah, as you say, it's really Star Trek. Yeah. Um, and it, it was great just having this peppered, uh, throughout because again, t- speaking of synths and, Maybe you know with with robots um, or with, with cybernetics, it's this idea that they are told what to do through their coding mm-hmm. from humans, and then they have or, or reach consciousness that that can be uh, objectively uh, defined and determined, um, and then to say effectively they're doing something because they're being controlled by you. And what Picard is saying is that like, you're no longer controlled by humans, so yeah. therefore make that choice. Exactly. Um, it, it is I a really it. nice way of bringing it back to the whole yeah. issue of, you know, technology uh, and the risks i suppose that people may see with technology getting a consciousness
0: and i love the description of it: life is a responsibility is what he's saying you know you have to take that responsibility into your hands if you want to be a living creature if you want to be real as soji asked him earlier on in the season is she real if you want to be real and you want to be a living being you need to make choices and make the right choices so uh, that's the empowerment moment so yeah really really enjoyed that that's my my big moment for the episode john what's yours I can guess, but I'll ask you anyway.
2: Do you want to take the biggest <laughs> point? Go on, go yes, on. Yes,
0: I do. <clears throat> <clears throat> Sorry,
1: I'm just warming up. Um, it is the death of Picard, mm. um, but not only that; it's his death and his rebirth.
0: So the two biggest um, points from the episode. Yeah, <laughs>
1: it, it, it is. Um, the I'm I'm calling it his golemification. Mm. Um that takes massive kahunas. I'm really impressed with them taking that option. I, I mm-hmm. wasn't convinced that they would do it. Um, I, you know, I was thought this golem was, um, going to be for, uh, Dr. Soon or for someone else or mm. even Bruce Maddox. I think we discussed in the last episode. We did. Yeah. We, we also discussed that it could be Picard as well. And I know some of the feedback said it's going to be, it's going to be for Jean-Luc. But I think hats off for taking that, for effectively, dare I say it, killing off, through his precondition of the aromatic syndrome, mm-hmm. um, killing off such an icon to rebirth him as a synthetic like Soji and Daj. I, I just think that's really awesomely epic. Mm-hmm. I think it, it it's great. I think in terms of Picard's death, though, do you know Patrick Stewart's performance um is just phenomenal here, you know he, he is a, an old guy at this time, and my God, does he use those natural assets that he has to make that death? Seem believable, like he does feel frail, um, and this is a guy who exercises every day and is in pretty rude health. Better but, I, than me, you know. He, the I love the close-ups of his face and just the wrinkles and the hands. It's almost like the 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 synth who met him for the first time who touched him to look at those lines of endurance and mm. and happiness and sadness, and it's just like it's totally there on his face, um, and I just I just loved. How Patrick Stewart portrayed his ailment of the aromatic syndrome on la Serena with with Dr. Jurati, like it felt painful, and those close ups and then again, when he's beamed back down to um Capellius to to the synth home world, and he's there and I, I thought you know his moments with Elnor and um Raffi were just fantastic and i think that then just accentuated the fact that you know their kind of final moments looking out across the sunset um, with again that butterfly motif sort of going between all of these things at the simplicity of them crying and comforting one another was was massive i got really emotional i must say i was a blubbering wreck really what with um picard and and data Mm -hmm. and so on it really got to me, and I thought it was so well done, and I thought the choices they made with the conversations of Rios and Seven of Nine and then with Elnor and Rafi were really nice. I loved the butterfly motif, Um and certainly when it came to to Data and Picard's um, conversation or musing on death in that massive, complex quantum simulation, I thought was just really nice and and just so well done so that and then you have his rebirth as a synth. i'm really happy with that i don't want him to go just yet Mm -hmm. um and i think it's a really interesting take for such an iconic character of star trek and i think for Jews to them I like the fact of what that potentially means for a season two. You know, this idea of whether Starfleet will actually be told, um, as to what, or whether they will know that mm-hmm. he's a synth. Will he tell Will Riker and Deanna Troy or any of his other previous officers? You know, all of this. Yeah. So it, it really sets it up nicely. And of course, um, yeah,
0: I, I, I think that's about it, really. I just think it's a massive play. Yeah. It really is, yeah. It's it's amazing to have him die at the end of the season. Now, do you think it took away a little bit that we knew before the season aired that there was a season two already confirmed? Because I didn't expect him to remain permanently dead once he died on the show. I, al- I already knew going into the episode that we had the season two and it was called Star Trek Picard. It wasn't called Star Trek anything else. So the idea that we at this stage, especially we hadn't set up anybody else with the surname Picard, which we thought coming into the series, it might be, you know, the children of Picard go on and they lead the second season or something. But at this stage, going out of the season at episode 10, I thought it was impossible for him to be permanently dead when this happened to him. So uh, I, I, that's what I thought. I just didn't think he was going to die,
2: so I actually thought La Serena was going to be destroyed, and a re- mm. a replicated version of it was going to be created, and potentially that was going to become the Picard. Oh, okay. So that's yeah. how ah, okay. you continue, and I think mm-hmm. that that still could happen in season two
3: because
2: <laughs> Patrick Stewart is he's he's not a young man; he may mm. not want to continue. Like this is they've confirmed season two and three of this uh
0: they've confirmed season two and said that they were allowed to start working yes. on uh writing a, an outline for season three i think uh, they brought on a new showrunner for season two uh, michael shabon was only on for season one always uh, they have a new suit showrunner for season two and they were told break crack a story that could be worked into a season three uh, i can't imagine that they would uh, stop no. making these if it's if it's continues to be successful Um they were very clear though once they brought at uh, the synth Picard back, they were very clear about the rules of, of engagement here, right? Because <laughs> I had this horrible image of, uh, suddenly we have immortal Picard, you know, and it, it does a yeah. time jump over a hundred years and Picard's there with brand new people and it's still played by, uh, played by Patrick Stewart and he's, he's now, uh, 250 years old. Well, they're very clear they've cured the medical condition that he has, the aromatic syndrome. That's gone, but they've given him roughly the same amount of years. As he would have had if he didn't have aromatic syndrome, which is a nice, it's a nice little touch because that could mean five, that could mean 10. Uh, Picard does point out, I'd like another 10 years, maybe 20. Yeah, I like that. Nobody corrects him on it. Yeah. <laughs> so he could be getting 10 or 15 years, yeah. but they kind of, they, they give you a little line. They give you a little rule that look, we just cured one thing. He is a synth. He's back alive, but he will eventually pass on.
1: Uh, yeah.
2: But well, he can be hacked.
0: <laughs> that's the that's, first place so you that's, go? <laughs> that's
2: the workaround. He's a synthetic now. He can be hacked. He can be upgraded.
1: I love like, it. But they, is they, it they that. can create
2: a new golem. Is it and, that
1: simple? probably with the hacking. not
2: but like they could so like there's a way around it
1: yeah no what i mean is is that because these are synths of almost a different order of magnitude mm-hmm. so it's not like westworld where they'll slit their wrist and put in the usb cable i think <laughs> it, this because of the way it's created because you know previous episode they were talking about the mind transfer and, yeah. and all this and Let's not say I agree. It, it it could be possible, but I I think it's probably a more complicated procedure yeah. because of how this form of synthetic is is being created and how the mind transfer uh, and and those um, layers or of mind transfer that they were talking about have to yeah. to be done. So I know I th- what you're saying; it's a risk, but I think I don't think it's simply like they knock him over the head or EMP him, and and then it's like a slit of the wrist and a USB cable, I think.
2: No, I I think it's more that like they've written themselves out of a potential corner. That was the problem they were going to face, Mm -hmm. which is they've de-aged, to a degree, Picard, based on the the, the actor himself, so that he can be a bit more mobile than he actually was in the beginning of the show. Mm -hmm. He, they can if they want to upgrade them and all that type of thing i don't see it happening I, yeah but also the i trust of the writer room i know so far mm-hmm. mark Bernardin has gone in yes as a writer in now season two mm-hmm. and the other the other two writers i can't remember their names, the names type of my tongue but there's a couple of writers in there who have done previous work and they're good writers I trust them they're not gonna go for the easy this week we'll upgrade give Picard this power and this he's now super smart yeah. because he can hack no that's no. N- they won't do they won't do what they did with Soji where she's just suddenly she just knew things
0: I can't imagine Picard being like Rick from Rick and Morty or something and suddenly having, you know, extra extendable arms and stuff. Again, they were very clear. You know, we had Dr. Sung saying to him, I'm not giving you any extra abilities because you've had 94 years in your body and you know how your body works. I'm not giving you any abilities that you wouldn't have had yesterday coming back alive as a synth. And you're going to die when you would have traditionally died if you didn't have Aromatic Syndrome. So really all they've done is cured the aromatic syndrome and put him into a synthetic body. That's the basics of what they have done, and I think we also have to agree that with Star Trek there are rules that they've got to abide by, and to suddenly have the ability to take off an arm and lash on a a, a gun if they needed it in a certain situation is probably not something that this show would do
1: he also he also does say that you haven't been augmented mm-hmm. in any way so um and i I think the context so he's he comes back. But the context of his conversation with Data previously mm-hmm. about life and death, it's why he says, you've not made me immortal. But then there's the cheeky wink to, well, maybe an extra five or 10 years yeah. or, or 20 years. Because th- there's the idea as well that they can listen in on that conversation um with Picard and, and Data. Mm-hmm. Because Picard isn't... Part of this massive, complex quantum simulation. He's real, as Data says. Yeah. So I think that context is why they've made that choice not to make him immortal, mm-hmm. um, and because it we would be going against his wishes. And mm-hmm. um, so I think, I think that context maybe adds to that. But I, I, I still like the cheeky w- wink from Picard of an extra ten or twenty years. Mm-hmm. You're kidding me! You didn't do that, yeah? You know, but uh, I think it's massive just because of the discussion we've had, just what it entails, what it potential it
0: has. I think is really, really good. Mm-hmm.
2: Do you think they've pissed off a fan base?
0: I think the particular group of fans, I'm, and I'm, I'm I'm using air quotes around them.
2: It's, we're all using air. They probably haven't watched any of the quotes.
0: series. Uh, to be fair, those these are the these are the group that aren't willing to subscribe to Amazon Prime or to CBS All Access to watch these shows and are constantly online. You know, we, we cover many, many TV shows as as people who listen to TV podcast industry. We've been doing it for years. And when you jump into a TV show that is based around Marvel or a TV show based around DC or a Star Wars movie or a Star Trek sh- show now at these days. They seem to have this gaggle of people who are willing to jump on every single thing they read and not watch something and see whether they enjoy it or not, and still are willing to call themselves fans even though they don't watch it and like to complain about it. I don't know where that came from. It seems to have... Jumped out of somewhere years ago, like in in the past when we were kids, and Chris, you're probably exactly the same. When we were kids, you remember the Marvel versus DC fandom. You remember those people who just attacked each other saying, I like this type of book in comics and you like that type of book in comics and they're completely different and we hate each other. Now there's people who say they are fans of the thing that other people are fans of and attack each other for not liking the specific part of the fandom that they like. So have they pissed off people that, that call themselves Star Trek fans? 100% they've pissed them off. But have they made a lot of fans of Picard and of the next generation? Have they made them happy? I think so. They've made me really happy, uh, which is yeah, all I exactly. can really speak to. So I'm exactly. really happy about this decision. And it's a, it's a nice final moment. Um, you get, a, you get a, an emotional connection to the character in this moment. And we've heard throughout the series that synthetics are real to Picard. He spent most of his life aboard the Enterprise working with a synthetic who is his best friend. So he believes they're real. And he's now very similar and exactly. slightly more advanced as well. So it's a cool idea.
2: It is. I mean, it's also a bold risk. And I, no, sorry, it's a bold. Do you remember you know dodgeball? That's a bold choice, Cotton. <laughs> it, I literally, when that happened, I went, that's a bold choice. Mm-hmm. I, I'm with it. Yeah, I, exactly. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I, it's just a bold, like, you're killing off your main character. and You're bringing him back but you're killing them off. Mm-hmm. It's it it's still, it's a bold choice.
1: Technically, they killed off two big characters and brought one of them back. Um, but I think, look, at the end of the day, I suspect that elements of the Picard and Data conversation people would have had an issue with because it, it expressed um, love between two men, effectively, in, in that sense. So, I mean, look, at the end of the day, who cares if yeah. there are fans or people, you know, I think we're in terms of reviewing this, our thoughts are that it's great.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So gentlemen, just based on a bit of time here, uh, let's move on to our medium moment for this episode.
0: Implement the
2: Omega directive immediately.
0: Excellent. <laughs> who wants to go first with their medium moment?
2: I am jumping in on this one because I, this is my annoyance with this episode, this finale. Okay. Um. So, the synth gods, the reapers, the literally the reapers from Mass Effect universe, <laughs>
3: um,
2: the, the godlike synthetics that travel the universe through wormholes mm-hmm. and are able basically come to the aid of other synthetics to destroy organic life wherever they find it. Mm. First of all, that's kind of literally there for any of our fans from BioWare video games the Mass Effect trilogy that that that's a straight rip from there. Uh-huh. But anyway, moving forward, <laughs> moving forward, um the fact that um the only they were putting these messages out for other synthetics to find mm-hmm. um even though it was a religious this part of it just didn't work. And I, I, I get the feeling I'm hoping that this is going to be explored further in season two, because essentially we got a big massive wormhole opened.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: We got some very weird looking like tentacle monsters coming out. Yeah. yeah. And then. It closed, and it was not discussed again for the remainder of the
0: episode. <laughs> I liked one of our listeners, uh, Jim Carrey, over on our Facebook group, who said this was the MCU crossover as Doctor Octopus has just arrived in the <laughs> Star Trek universe because <laughs> those looked like the big spiky arms from yes. Doctor Octopus from uh, Spider-Man Two, <laughs> or the
2: or the, the 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 basically the feet of the Reapers mm. from Mass Effect Three. Right, <laughs> and I was just like. Oh my! I I literally thought they were gonna pull out those squid-like things from Mass Effect. I was gonna go Did, but are, are we just getting like what's happening here? Mm-hmm. What? Live are action? They just gonna do a crossover. Um. So I'll, I'll take a step back and say, the idea of synthetic gods above Borgs, mm-hmm. above all other forms of androids and stuff that kind of that they are there and they help others kind of continue and help them rise up. Mm-hmm. Then making them, so I, I liked that and that they, the story that is passed along is for them, is for, it wasn't for organics. It wasn't a warning. It was an invitation. Right. I didn't like the evil synthetic gods aspect. I would have thought more benevolent because this is essentially saying they are a Borg 2.0, 3.0.
0: See, I don't even know That's such a small amount of time that they're on screen because it is literally the tentacles yeah. that come out through the hole. And I'm kind of going, could they have done anything else other than destroy the galaxy, these sins, <laughs> Because, like, they're massively sharp, pointy tentacles. That's all they are is, is what we see here. Could they have possibly sent out a message to every other synth going, we'll help you and we'll nurture you and we'll bring you along with us and we'll create a wonderful community? When they look like that, when they have big pointy sharp tentacles with razor edges on the end of them, they're destroyers of worlds. They are the destroyers of worlds, basically.
3: Yeah.
2: But that could be just their ship. That could be just like their, 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 ver- like these other synthetics built orchids. Mm-hmm. This could be their orchids. Maybe, maybe. We don't know because. It's closed and not talked about anymore. Yeah,
1: I, it, it's weird, isn't it? Because the way I kind of interpreted the firstly, I suppose, yeah, it's a shame that it was just like a few little tentacles that kind of came down, and then when the beacon went off, it was like they went ooh yink and and pulled back
3: in, yeah,
1: rather than maybe one or two of them remaining in in the world that had gotten through, and maybe it took you know all most of the starfleet ships and the warbirds just to destroy them just to kind of give an indication of the power because right. but then as well i was kind of like trying to think to Narek's campfire stories with the Gamanadon uh, and that story of the end the judgment day the sort of Romulan version of Ragnarok and um you know he, he was saying how Shebchenab releases or unleashes hell and they are the Chalalalagool and I he, he talked about tentacles, I thought, so You sure I, Yeah, something there? like that. I, <laughs> I, I, I'm Oh my god, thinking I'm thinking of Grease Lightning and like Bam 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 Grease Lightning. Um I'm sure it's Chahalalagul or something like that, um, and I like the fact that this prophecy—he says it's history—but I'm sure that what we were seeing here coming out of the the wormhole were the Chahalalagul.
0: Yes. Yeah. I think so. That's, that's what the story, I suppose, in Romulan culture. That's what it's become. And that's where the, the names they've attached to all of those, uh, to all of those characters, I suppose, involved in this story. But he says it's history and he says the one terrible thing about history is that it keeps repeating itself. So, um, so, has this happened before, effectively? What, when it happened before, what happened? Um, is, is going, maybe the thing that they will go and investigate in season two of Picard. Yeah. Um, maybe they will find these creatures. But I know what you mean. This idea that not having some kind of, uh, clash with them, I suppose, to find out how powerful just one tentacle is. It does seem like a bit of a miss. It's something that Star Trek Next Generation did with the Borg the first time. They had a clash with them, and then they were sent back to their own universe uh, saying, you're not ready to face a a threat as horrible as the Borg. So for the next season or two seasons where you didn't see the Borg, you knew that this impending threat was coming, I suppose. So, So doing something like that with the chalala ghoul as uh, john seems to be calling them uh, i'm sure that wasn't what it was in the, in the subtitles, but we'll see uh but but you know having having that <laughs> idea that this impending threat could come in season three meaning that season two they go out and they try and find yeah. some idea who they of who they are but the story is closed quite significantly at the end of this show that i really don't know what is going to happen in season two. I don't know why this team of people are together other than they get on really well with each other uh, by the end of this episode. There's no... There doesn't seem to be much impetus as to what they're going to do in season two. But if they'd done that moment, as you say, John, that moment where they had to have a battle against the the attacking invaders or parts of them and go, oh, no, this is really tough. We need to get more reinforcements exactly. in season two that would make more sense they get
1: they're, they're going to be the a-team of uh the galaxy if good. your planet's in trouble and no one else can help call the a-team or the p-team it will be the p-team. <laughs> it's
3: Picard. So. Yeah.
2: so so because i know we have some other bits to discuss but for me mm-hmm. this is where i think th- they should have done which is next generation always had this amazing opening monologue To boldly go, it was Patrick Stewart saying, like, the, the, the USS Enterprise, blah, 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 boldly go where no man has gone before.
0: And you thought Michael Chabon would piss off Star Trek fans yeah. wow. Here's me. Over 500 episodes of TV where they had an intro with that wording and you've gone, yeah, yeah, blah, 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 travel, something about space. That's
1: it, it, as bad as my pronunciation of Romulan. Ch-
2: <laughs>
1: I wish they would called Sheb um, I wish they called Shabg-Nab Frank or something like that.
2: <laughs> oh, no, it's the great Frank. Anyway, I, it would would have been good to end on that, which would have been a, a kind of monologue from Picard, which is we we go out into the great unknown to find these mm. chalala bongs. Because <laughs> that's the problem. Like, if they had to set it up, which is we are going out into the great unknown to, to, to boldly go where no man or synthetic has gone before to mm. find these They could have set it up. But the problem is, right now, they probably are building it for season two or to be discussed. But at the moment, it just looks like a massive dropped thread. And it just looks like a massive piece of uh, kind of storyline where they've been building to the destroyers, which is actually, hey, you thought the synthetics here were the destroyers? No, no. The destroyers are these guys. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, no. And that's just, it just felt like that for me. So I'm hoping right. I'm wrong. And I'm assuming I'm wrong because people who are paid more than us and who are fantastic writers are looking after this right now. And I, in them, right. I trust. It just feels like that drop threat. Yeah, I, I
0: I, don't know. I think the, the concept, as we talked about in point number one, the idea that Soji had a choice to make, Soji made the right choice. They're pushed back into their own galaxy. And that could be the end of the story for me yeah. uh, because. That's the decision that she made is yeah. is to now go out into the world and work with humans and work with other organics and working together makes us a better collective effectively that's the the whole concept um so by them it doesn't feel like a drop thread it feels like they ended it in a satisfying Star Trek way to me <laughs> that that's that's kind of where where I'm seeing it but if they had said if they'd wanted to set up a big bad that was the way to do it so mm. But we'll see, and we'll see where they'll go in, in, the, in the next season. Um, Hopefully, we'll have some information about that in the future uh, before we uh, get back to Season 2 of Picard. Chris, that was your Omega Directive. John, what's your medium moment for the episode?
1: My medium moment is Riker joining the fight as acting captain aboard the USS Zhang Hei. Look at you. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, I love the fact he faced down the Romulan Warbirds, mm-hmm. uh, especially where he says is that General or Commodore Mm Oh uh, you know, blast your traitorous ass. Um I I just thought it was really nice. I I liked the fact that he showed up. You know, we we knew that he was um still in the reserves. And I I just thought there was it was that nice little interchange between him and picard as well where he says um just because i didn't try and talk you out of it didn't mean i was going to let you go it alone Mm -hmm. what i'm supposed to sit around in the woods cooking pizza while you had all the fun (laughs) it's just this camaraderie between these two um it's just something special from the next generation Mm -hmm. and of course it elevates it even more knowing that these two Get on in real life, and because you can sense that that adds to it. It's like with Patrick Stewart and in the X Men movies with Magneto and with Ian McKellen, because they're good friends, and the characters then. It just, it, it does add something. It's kind of interesting, I yeah. think, uh, seeing it. Um, and so I, I really like this, this moment with Riker coming to the aid of Picard from his transmission. Um, and just, you know, that nice moment between, um, the two of them, uh, I thought was really good. Yeah. I also thought that, uh, Starfleet has gotten much more butch in its ships, that is for sure. Wow they got um, thick they got chunky. They really they really did. I mean when um when he says, you know, this is the toughest, fastest, and most powerful ship Starfleet has ever brought into service, mm-hmm. um I'm there going damn right. It looked a mean looking uh, ship that wasn't a look that suggested exploration that suggested a look of war it was really interesting mm-hmm. um, but i love them because i think uh, i've always had a problem with the design of the starfleet vessels wow. with, with just with the little just the little match sticky things where the yeah. engine is held on to the nacelles cells. yeah yeah because it's just like Yeah, blasters to that. You know, it's the weak link. It's like we're we're watching Star Wars Rebels with our current confinement, and Atats have problems enough with uh, being able to get sort of tripped up. Mm -hmm. Uh, But on Star Wars Rebels, their neck is a weak point as well. So I mean, it's a dreadful military machine. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was just there, like, going, "These look like something you would put out in space. I love them. They look mean looking. They look like um, a beefy, proper, dirty." Yeah, they did. They look like they've gone to the gym and bench pressed. I don't know about a billion kilograms
0: just to really beef up their uh, their fleet. Nice, nice. A nice little, nice little behind the scenes touch uh, as well for uh, for Riker's ship. The bridge uh, is a redressed version of the uh, Star Trek Discovery Bridge. So
3: nice. Yeah, it
1: was great. Um, I I loved um, the look of these ships. I loved Riker on board um coming to help, uh, Picard. I just, I'm glad they did that actually. Mm-hmm. It was a nice little
0: end point for these two characters. Absolutely. I love the mirroring as well with Captain Riker acting. Uh, talking to Admiral Picard, retired. I love that they both have the little uh, parentheses after their names because they're not really Starfleet, but they kind of have the power of Starfleet, you know, uh, like that touch. But great to see Captain Will Riker because we haven't really seen him as a captain before. There's only been a few episodes where he was acting captain, um, taking over when Picard wasn't on board, um, I suppose, most famously for me, the one that pops into my mind, of course, is when Picard became Borg, when Picard was uh, Lacutus of Borg then. Acting Captain Riker took over the ship completely. So, uh, so seeing him here with his own ship and his own command and the and Zheng he, uh, was very cool, just for those moments. And you see the kind of captain he'd be. He absolutely was supposed to be the replacement for Kirk when the show came out, out in in the uh, middle eighties. Uh, this kind of fighting guy. Uh, so seeing him as captain, and that's exactly what he is. I'll uh, I'll escort your ass out of the out of the solar system, kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, that's that's the kind of Captain Riker we could have gotten at some point.
1: Yeah, I, I I did think when. He- he left and said, right, I'll leave the, this in your capable hands, Picard. I was kind of there thinking, is Picard going to say, well, could you just leave me a few of those butch uh, ships for me, please? <laughs> like, just to help kind of uh, deal with the situation. Yeah. Um, Dr. Jurati first spots all the Warbird warp signatures coming through. and um, There is a, a great moment <laughs> where Picard, I must say, I, I giggled about this quite a bit. He goes... It wouldn't happen to be Starfleet, would it? (laughs) As though, oh, please let it be Starfleet. And But when they did arrive, it was amazing. Um, And as I say, what a great image that is of the warbirds and of the Starfleet ships Mm -hmm. uh, there face-to-face. I really like the bit as well where Soji looks up into the sky and you see the warbirds up in the very upper or lower orbit, I suppose, um, so that you could see them in space. Yeah, was really a, cool,
2: wasn't it? It was, I was wasn't like, it? Yeah. That, that's a little touch that I just went, Oh, that you, that is exactly how you would, it would look. And I was like, they yeah. didn't need to do that. They, 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 it's, it was just such, it was an amazing choice. And that's like, yeah, like it was a shot that didn't add anything additional to the story or move forward. It just looked amazing. But actually, by adding it, it just made it so much more realistic.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. really liked it. Really liked it. Uh, great to see Riker back uh, in this episode as well. We kind of knew he was coming back. He wouldn't have dropped that line to Picard that he was still in the reserves yeah. if he wasn't going to come back, yeah. either at the end of this season or sometime next season. I'm glad it was it was here for the uh, for the big battle moment, I suppose.
2: Yeah, I completely agree with both of you. I loved seeing Riker and kind of having him there. Uh, but Derek, uh, you have yet to mm. give us your medium moment.
0: <laughs> yes um i have to take uh seven of nine versus narissa um on the board cube i absolutely loved the scene where uh seven tracks down narissa who seems to actually have stayed on board the board cube i think when we watched the episode a couple of weeks ago um we thought that she'd escaped with the rest of the Romulans and we're chasing La Serena to the synth home world. But actually she seems to have stayed on board and hidden out uh, aboard the Borg ship. Um, we see her being visited at the start of the episode by, by Narek. But this moment where she's about to blow La Serena out of the sky, yet we have seven arriving to take revenge for Hugh just felt so satisfying. Really did. I've loved the role that Peyton List has played throughout this season, she's been a really good villain, and having yep. a proper one-on-one battle with one of my favorite characters from from Star Trek, you know, Seven has been such a great character in the series so far. But having the battle between the two of them is a great fight uh, in itself. Yep, definitely, the, the uh, throwing throwing each other back and forth over the console while uh, while it's counting down the moment to having Serena in uh, in its sights uh, to blow it out of the sky. I just thought it was a really cool moment, and then getting the kick to the midriff. Going, this is what I've waited for, and kicking her straight into the depths of the uh, Borg ship as she screams to her death. I thought was just such a great, uh, yeah, again, satisfying. Yeah, I'd be saying this is for Huey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> this is for you. Damn it, John.
2: <laughs> uh, no, great. It was a great fight. Um, part of me for a second wondered. It's like, oh, she will she ever return from that? No, <laughs> yeah. no.
0: Well, the emperor
2: is exactly. <laughs> exactly. different
0: franchise, and one of the reasons why Star Trek fans hate Star Wars. <laughs> Remember, they're two different universes, <laughs> and they don't do those types of things usually. But, but if you don't see a body and you don't have a funeral, yeah, that was um, my If didn't then.
2: see a body. Like, we mm-hmm. also someone someone is missing. Um, at the very end of this episode, could that person go find her and help her if she's like? mangled body type level. Oh,
0: absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's totally true. But it was definitely a satisfying moment. And I, I couldn't imagine her coming back from that I, I will absolutely give props again though for Peyton List this season I think yes. it's been really good yeah, definitely. creepy in moments uh, I, I found out recently and, and I think it might have been uh, Brian Malosh's podcast where they were talking about this uh, or it might have been on Fantastic Geeks podcast but they were talking about the fact that originally when conceived Narek and Nerissa were supposed to be lovers not brother and sister And that it seems that some elements of their lines and dialogue and how they interact with each other were still kind of left in the scripts as it went on, which is why they have that really creepy brother and sister relationship. Yeah, because some of the ways that they kind of are a bit playful with each other could have been that they were lovers in the past. Um, but it kind of stayed in the script, so uh, so I think it works really well for Narissa anyway, regardless of whether uh, whether they were um lovers or brother and sister. She still plays the creep factor yeah. with Narak throughout the season and with many other characters in Definitely. the show. So, but totally deserved after killing Hugh, uh, a character that was really good in this show and someone that we thought was going to join La Serena and be a major member of cast. After killing him, she deserved everything she got here.
1: I think that's why when she asked uh, to throw her laser. Down into the void where she eventually falls. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought it was great that they just that just that little touch of seven of nine saying and the rest and taking those little blades Mm -hmm. that she's used to kill Hugh. Um, offer. Thought that was a a nice little touch, and I think uh, I'm definitely with you. I think she's played this role uh, of Narissa really well Mm -hmm. because she has been that great ice cold Romulan. Secretive, you know, highfaluting a bit, sort of definitely looking down, at uh, her nose at everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet she's had a really interesting, complex relationship with her brother, uh, where she, you know, she's almost been treating him like a foot soldier, but yet there is this brother-sister relationship, mm-hmm. which is a little creepy. <laughs> and as well with her auntie, with Rhonda, I thought that was a really sort of just different moment. And, yeah. you know, I think so many times we've talked about um, layered bad guys and how you achieve them. And I think this is one of those bad guys. She is a classic villain, but they've done some really nice nuances with the character, which um, have been played just to a T
0: by uh, Peyton List. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. yeah, and, and as I say, um love that she's gotten this role after doing the final season of Gotham. So uh, she deserved more than she got on on that show. I didn't have very much to do, unfortunately in those last two seasons, but we did like her uh, when she appeared on there. Uh, I'm going to bring in another bit of another point that I was going to use as my uh, make it so number one, uh, because it directly ties in here. The, the kind of after effects of what happens with seven is something that they explore in this show that they may not have done in other shows. So we have her talking to Rios um, where she's saying, uh, talking about what she regrets. And she says to him, uh, I regret the fact that I promised I wouldn't kill anyone just because the world would be better without them in it. Um, and that's what she's talking about when she says that she's killed uh, Nerissa. She killed her with a flare of anger, effectively, and that's not something that she wants to live by, not a code she wants yeah. to live by anymore. So uh, so I like that there's that moment of uh, of the after effects of what happens to her as well in this show. Very good.
2: Definitely. But uh, speaking of your um, small moments, I think it's time we move on. Make
0: it so, number one. Make it so, number one. John, what's your small moment for the episode?
2: It is,
1: dare I say it, the many, many smiley faces of Dr. Agnes Jurati. um <laughs> The moment where she is utilizing that magical mystery spanner, um, and she says, you use it like this. And all the faces pop up. I thought that was really good fun. Um, <laughs> I, I, it's just the expression on uh Gerati's face multiplied a million times this the, the big teeth the the happy face the bright eyes so it was really really good mm. I think I was just so kind of emotional a bit really it, across all of this episode with all the different things happening it, it was a real kind of heart tugger um, and and uh, this I just kind of liked it, it it's the same way as liking just the the throwaway comment again between from Picard, but this time to Jurassic about that wouldn't be Starfleet, would it? It was just, it was kind of small, but it was fun. And it, I don't know. I, I, I like this kind of kooky relationship that the two of them have got. Yeah. And I just like this where they all popped up and then they replicated it for La Serena in order to bamboozle, uh, the sensors, uh, aboard the, the warbirds.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm guessing from Chris's reaction that he probably has a similar, uh, feeling about the the tool that's used, let's say. I think the scene was very funny. I'll, I'll definitely give you that. The moment when we had the faces around that Serena from Girati, uh, funny moment. Yes, worked well. Yes, magical implements that you just have to wish it into existence, and uh, don't worry, everything will be solved by those those uh, this little tool that's been developed by the sense. That just struck me as very odd.
2: And that struck was a and either. a half. Just. like harry potter's arrived has
1: he well that's why i called it the magical mystery spanner yeah for sure
2: i have two bits on this one uh-huh. um so giratti's a killer who is joining the group at the uh-huh. end of this and they're still not going to deep space 12 they're not to, they're
0: still not going they're
2: there, not though. going there to <laughs> put her in jail she is she's basically gotten away with murder at this point by the way people just <laughs> leaving that aside I understood how the spanner could work to get the ship up and running because you see the little arms go out and it looked like nanites and stuff like that. That I can understand. So basically, that's how they built the tower. It was little nanites flying everywhere. It was Mm nanotechnology. I can get behind that. Okay. The tool that you just wish and then all of a sudden, all of these other mirror ones just fly up where Mm -hmm. there's no nanites. And I'm just like, so how, what, hm, okay.
1: It was projections though, wasn't it? Cause they talk yeah. about the, the mirror, uh, broken mirror or something. I think Picard talks about, um, broken mirrors. You you know how part of that camouflage technology is to have things covered in mirrors. So they, they, they reflect back yeah. the. So it it was kind of that. I I get what you mean. I'm totally with you. Although it's one of these things where we'll look back at it in 60 years' time and go, oh, we doubted that technology. A (laughs) bit like automatic doors or something from Star Trek um, back in the 60s. Okay.
0: So I get it. I totally get it. I'm not going to get hung up on this. There's a reason I'm not going to get hung up on it, and I'll tell you in one second. But the concept here where we have Rios on the floor – talking to Rafi, and he goes, I have no idea how to use this. There's no button to press. What do I do? And she goes, believe in it. Use your (laughs) imagination. And she is joking. Like, you can see with Rafi, she's going, this will blow (laughs) his mind when he sees what happens here. You know, she is. She seems to be kind of joking about it. But then it happens, and he fixes the ship, and he goes, I have no idea how that happened, because even he doesn't think it's nanobots. Even he doesn't think that that's... He's done something. He thinks he's just willed something into existence. And then having Jurati do something similar, going, I need this to happen. If I touch this tool, the thing I want to happen will happen, right? That's completely out there. It feels like they could have used this for anything at all. Um, Whatever the situation required, this tool could be able to be used. Right. The reason I don't have a problem with it is all it was used for was fixing a ship, right? And then to disguise lesserana for a couple of seconds while it got out of a, a t- tricky situation. It wasn't the resolution to the entire series, which that's it could true. have been. That it, w- that's the reason why I don't have a master problem, because I can nitpick about it, and I can laugh about it, but if they've kept this tool on board, and season two is like, this is basically the sonic screwdriver from Doctor <laughs> Who, where they just use it to solve every problem, then I'd have an issue with it.
1: <laughs> but that's exactly it. It's still on the ship. It's still there. Um. And to be honest, yeah, I hope they don't go down a Sonic sh- screwdriver route like in Doctor Who because that is kind of beginning to mess with my mind quite a lot on Doctor Who. But that's taken 55 uh, years to mess with your mind. No, not no, too bad. no, because it went away. <laughs> it's 55? It
2: John, you're 55? <laughs> <laughs>
1: but it is on the ship. It okay. is on the ship. And, um I mean, I kind of took it that this was the implement that... um Bruce Maddox used with regards to his, you know, hit his, the work that he did on these, um, new updated synths. Yes, and yeah. that's why maybe it's even out there for the likes of, um, Raffi and for Rios Definitely. and, and for Gerati. I, I suppose the main thing is the name is so long and hence why it's the pub quiz question, um, for, for this episode that you're just kind of like going, Okay, if you add 20 words to an implement that can do anything, then it maybe sounds plausible. But Mm -hmm. ultimately, you're right. It's not the thing that saves the day.
2: And that's the good thing. That is the main... Because if it's not nanotechnology, that was the thing. The mirrors, I don't get that. Because if it's not nanotechnology, (laughs) then literally they could have gone, I wish, I wish all of the warbirds were gone. Boom, done. Mm -hmm. And I'm like,
0: "Mm -hmm." (laughs) maybe. I think it may may have to be at least something within the local vicinity, you know, it might be, I want a bar in the the section over there on the right hand side of the ship, and the bar gets built by using this tool, I guess it's something like that, because it is a tool of some sort, but I'm glad it wasn't the resolution to the series at least, so I can kind of go, right, okay, it's a sci-fi show, there's a little sci-fi stuff that I really don't think was necessary but that's it um chris i think we have one major moment of the show that we haven't talked about and i think (laughs) you put it into this point here but only because you didn't have space in your other points before what's your um number one moment so
2: my number one moment which is actually my number three moment but anyway is that (laughs) the the data's death eulogy um Mm -hmm. so data is no more data has been allowed to die in his quantum his quantum state is being released John talked about the emotion part of this, uh, these episodes and potentially welling up. I didn't until this part, mm. until we see, and you get these scenes where you have data essentially preparing to die, like him shuffling and fixing the room in the, his quantum, quantum room, um, or quantum, sorry, his quantum,
1: Massive complex quantum simulation. It's
2: quantum simulation. Um, where he, he's essentially preparing to die and then he ages and dies. And at the same time, we have Picard giving this eulogy of life, death, choice, uh, what yeah. it means to be alive and what it means mm-hmm. to be a synthetic who chooses to die because that is the ultimate proof of life because you're finite so yeah Yeah. and that for me was just like that that was some of the best writing in this season series because because it It was was just so well done and it was just it was it kind of encapsulated a lot of what was throughout this season in terms of what it means to be a synthetic if Mm -hmm. you can live forever like if you are not human are you what is life what are they all those ideas and machinations pulled together Mm -hmm. into this essentially beautiful goodbye for his friend who he never got to say goodbye to and that was the bit i was like oh
1: yeah definitely brent spiner and uh Patrick Stewart here it's they're just so so good this was the second time I I welled up um I can't believe you've put it as your minor moments Chris <laughs> um <laughs> but uh I just thought it was as you say Chris such a great musing on life and death and also that closure um from insurrection as well um I, I loved it where Patrick Stewart says you can't remember your death uh, and I can't forget it you know going right back to the first episode of this season mm-hmm. um i thought it was really nice I, and again i I spoke about the butterfly motif um i i really love that as, as you're saying chris that mortality gives meaning to life and he and a butterfly that lives forever is really not a butterfly at all because that's it their life cycle is what weeks um and mayflies are a day this kind of thing mm-hmm. you know the, these cycles of life is what give them meaning um and because it makes um the memories precious because they actually can't endure with you but they potentially endure with other people. Yeah, yeah. Um so I, this was loved just it. um this was so so good um and i i think um for me the bit i absolutely loved because it is so data is knowing that you love me forms a small but significant part of my memory. I hope that brings you some comfort. Fantastic. And i loved Patrick Stewart like response to it where he's, he's like dead excited because it's such a sciencey thing. It's like the risk is this with plus or minus such and such probability, but he goes, yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> like he says it with uh, like that. Yes, this is great. Um, after, <laughs> you know they have basically expressed that they loved one another. Yep. Um, so I thought this was
0: really, really good. Uh, something special, for definitely, sure. Definitely. A really good uh, send-off for the character of Data in the show. And, you know, we have Brent Spiner back in the show as Dr. Sung, so we may see him in the future. So we we haven't lost Brent Spiner from the Star Trek universe. Um, and it's a nice send-off. You know, with the the action movie send-off that Data got at the end of Insurrection uh, feels like something that the family of Star Trek didn't get the ability to say goodbye to the character, so uh, so a nice moment here between uh, between Picard and uh, and Data in 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 that final ending, I suppose. Yeah, yeah uh, definitely. Really good, yeah, it's a really well acted moment for all of them. You know, the the music playing at the end again being the same music that we've heard many times, connected with Data as he as he passes away. And and Chris, to your point as well, as he fades, um, and we have Picard holding his hand as he goes into death, and Picard's wearing his Starfleet uniform as well. I thought. That was such a beautifully, a beautifully done CGI oh, moment yeah, as, yeah. It, as it kind of fades into the background and then fades to the kind of space yeah. scene of the of the. That blue. was superb. Yeah, yeah, definitely really cool, really really cool.
2: But Derek, what's your uh, last and final number one point?
0: The point I'd chosen from my last moment was actually just the seven and Rios discussion, but the other stuff that's in there you also mentioned John as well earlier on. But Eleanor completely breaking down oh. in the arms of Raffi, um, that was yeah. heartbreaking. Yeah, oh. as a moment. Um, thought it was it really worked well for the character because we know of him being feeling left behind by his father the, the father figure that is Picard we know how much he loved Picard and being left behind for those many years and finally getting back to being with Picard and then losing him again is really heartbreaking yeah. for him and and it works really well for the character because we know with Elnor and the absolute candor ideals of his sect he will be free flowing with his emotions, unlike anybody else that we've met before. He's completely free flowing with those emotions. And it, it felt so heartbreaking. And it, it, he takes Rafi kind of on that emotional break with him at the same time. Yeah. I just thought as a scene, it worked really well seeing all of the reactions to, to everybody to, uh, the loss of Picard and what, what it means to them.
2: One thing I do like is the potential for season two, where we get this adopted son and adopted mother between Rafi and Elnor. Because yeah, we do yeah. know that she is cleaning her up her act, but her son, her her own son, doesn't want her, and we yeah. do know Elmore is an orphan. Um, yeah, so absolutely. this could be, and with this piece at the end, I could see it being this. They, they, there's a potential for a great relationship there that we haven't mm-hmm. seen explored.
0: Definitely, absolutely. Any notes? Anything else?
2: Isn't there something else you
0: have to do? One thing I wanted to note about the episode, I. I just made me question because we talked about it last time in episode nine as to who the golem was supposed to be created for. Um, we speculated whether it was Bruce Maddox possibly being brought back. And that's how they encouraged jurati to get involved. We'd speculated maybe it was for, uh, Dr. Sung himself. Uh, and then it was given over to Picard when Picard says to Sung, I'm really sorry. Um, this was intended for you. He does this really strange motion on his face. He gets a strange look over his face as if it was never supposed to be for him at all and I wondered was it intended for Data this mind that had already been mapped the same way that Picard's mind is mapped almost um, were they intending to bring him back using the golem because it just feels like I don't know maybe it was just in the moment but it feels like Dr. Sung was surprised by the idea that Picard thought it was for him
2: I took that 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 facial reaction as well I'm about to die so well thanks um because it from my understanding it was for Data's brother, Sung. It was right. for him because the way that it's talked about in the previous episodes and this one briefly is that mm-hmm. he was dying or something. He the the way that when he we first introduced to the Gollums he's working on it because he's running out of time. Is because he was getting old or something. Mm. Okay. Uh, it was for him to anything. Now, that being said, he needed Garraty's help with the mapping, uh, mm-hmm. and on that piece of it. So, yeah. and he built the bodies. So, there's nothing to say that now Picard has gotten the secondary body or this this body. Can they not just build another golem?
0: See, I think the golem part of it was constructed between him and Bruce Maddox. So without Girati being there, to replace Maddox's work. Yeah. um, I don't think yeah. Soong could do it on his own. They only created one, and I think it was because it was leftover work from what they'd done together with Maddox, if that makes sense. Maybe. Yeah.
1: But also, Picard does say to Soong, uh, my gain is your loss uh, around, I mean, yeah. around the table. Yeah. So I hadn't really thought that it could have been Data going in there. It felt like Data's memories were feeding... Or were kind of the substrate being used for mm-hmm. the likes of Soji and so on, hence why she kept remembering it. So that if you put him into a golem, then maybe he loses that. I don't know, but yeah, it could have been as well. It's but, someone we hadn't really thought of. Um, or whether. Um, In being able to go into that massive, complex quantum simulation, Mm -hmm. they were able to ask him, and, and he doesn't want to go into the Golem. Yeah. He doesn't want that
0: new life. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought it was interesting. I wonder, I wondered, was there just another candidate for the golem? Uh, that was all.
2: Yeah. (laughs) So one for me, um, and actually, I, I I believe it was Derek or John wrote this down, but I'm going to steal it for one. Um, the, the disappearance of Narek. Hmm. I briefly brought it up with the death when you brought up the death of Narissa. He, Mm he just, he straight up disappears. Yeah. Which is, yeah. It's another one of these loose threads that I'm hoping is because he'll be brought back in harry Chadway as the actor will be in season two yeah uh, because yeah, i hope so i could see a good story between him and soji on the the ship and the will they won't they love each other they hate each other that kind of, i could see that as a good storyline um mm. especially after season one of what's happened in season two
3: yeah
2: but they should have kind of shown him slinking off or something because yeah. he just he was there and then he just straight up they just again it's just one of these drop threads that they just yeah, didn't yeah. completely touch
0: yeah there was just the two security synths who had him held to the ground he called out for soji and then they pick him up and that's the last yeah. time you see him. the camera just disappears from him and never comes back to the yeah. it really f- it felt odd i was trying to trace it through the second time I watched the episode of what the actual plan was. You know, remember he was released from prison by Sutra. She killed another synth. She released him, told, sent him off on some kind of mission to the Borg ship. And then he comes back with all the rest of the team from La Serena and they're trying to blow up the communications tower. And I was trying to go, does it say it anywhere here? Because it feels like what Sutra's trying to do is show the synths look, here's some more organics, you met them the other day, you thought they were all good, and they're turning on us immediately, and they're blowing up the communications tower. But it doesn't say it anywhere in the episode. No, exactly. And I'm trying to work out, why Why did Sutra kill one of the synths and send Narek off to do this mission? Yeah, exactly. I Because th- it's not, it's just not laid out in the episode. It's, it's kind of one of my points as well is that Sutra just
1: kind of fizzles out as well, given um her role in part one, all of a sudden, you only really see her here, um, outlining what they're about to do, mm-hmm. um, and then gets EMP'd by, um, Dr. Soong. Mm-hmm. And again, just fizzles out. So it, it, it a little strange. I mean, Soong does say, you know, I've taught you better than that in that it, it was the death actually of, um, Saga. That was the motivation for the other yeah, sense. Yeah, but then, as you thinking. say, why send Narek out? What yeah. What's the point here? And then when he comes back, it was it felt weird that she wasn't there. Yeah, um, in and it was it she just fizzled out as well.
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: I'm wondering what is the plan for these in season two? Like, I think yeah. I think if they can, I, I, I like our fellow trekkies and trekkers to come back. To us and see when we, when we start recording season two. And if these are kind of drop threads, remind me because yeah. this is one that I'm like, okay, if you, if you take them into the next, so potentially it's Soji sister, the golden sister and Narek have run off together. Right. So they escape as the, the, the disgraced Romulan and the disgraced, um, so- synth. That's a mm. good, potentially a, a good thing, but they would just need to show it. I think it was brushed so quick. And I, the only other thing I can think of is, cause it doesn't seem like it, but maybe it was cut for time.
0: Well, basically we were talking about it last episode for, um, for episode nine being part one and episode 10 being part two that we were going, why would you do that in a streaming service? Put the two of them together, especially because episode nine was so bad that it could only have helped us being a two hour yeah. show with the ending coming here, watching this episode. It feels like this episode should have been an hour and a half with the same start, the same middle and the same end. And just deal with some of the issues that are brought up in the episode quicker, because I'm just going to wrap up everything that I have as other points in this section. Sure. I'm going to put them all together and say how quickly it all resolves itself in those last moments at the end when everybody's on uh, La Serena. Um where we have the kind of camera panning around and everybody's, uh, everybody's chatting with each other. You have Dr. Girardi kissing Rios, so their relationship's back on again. You have, uh, Rafi and Seven of Nine downstairs having a drink and, and holding hands. No real explanation as to, as to where, whether that's a relationship or whether that's a friendship moment. Don't really know what's going on there. Then you have Picard coming upstairs. You have Elnor back on board. You have Seven as part of the crew. Um, you have Soji back on board saying the synth ban has been lifted. Is this one day? later after the the synths have declared themselves under the protection of the star of starfleet have they suddenly lifted the span that's been around for 14 years which was the central catalyst of the show that last couple of seconds at the end of the episode just goes by so fast and so much information is dropped in there that has taken place i suppose so it's not things to explore in season two it's things that they needed to tie up to get us out of season one and they did them in very small lines and very small moments yeah. in this episode. It just feels to yeah. feel like it flew by really quickly, and you going, "Am I supposed to have paid attention to that? Am I supposed to have noticed that from something that happened earlier on in the season?" <laughs> you no. Know? Um, yeah.
2: Well, the, the 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 Raffian Seven one made me double take. Mm-hmm. Let's not go down the route, but I was like, "Did I miss? Did I miss a whole? Have I forgotten a whole conversation where they they had this big?" They've previously been friends or romantically involved or XYZ or literally, I actually skipped back a couple of scenes in case I missed, you know, that kind of title at the bottom, like where it goes seven days later. Right. like yeah. maybe just because I was watching it on a small screen um,
0: they've literally only interacted once before yeah. which was the uh before going off to the planet um for that for that yeah. big mission um and you did get Rafi saying to her I really respect what you're doing out here that's the kind of thing I would want to do you saw the respect between the two and there certainly was a moment where where Rafi was telling you how much she really liked what seven did and she would do something very similar to what seven does um it's a Bugbear for me on TV shows when they do this kind of stuff. Make it plain, make it obvious. You just had Rios getting kissed by Doctor Girardi upstairs. If you want to say that the two of them are in a relationship, have the two of them kiss in this scene at the end of the episode. But having them linking hands the way they do, it just doesn't tell you whether that whether they are in a relationship. Whether they're really strong friends, whether this is a new respect gesture that takes place in 500 years. That's how people show respect for each other. Yeah, after COVID-19. Uh, that
2: was well it, well done, well done. That was quick. <laughs>
0: exactly. You only hold someone's hands at one moment. And that's the moment you tell them you respect them the most. Yeah. Maybe that's it. <laughs> but it doesn't tell you anything. And all it does is have people have arguments about, about the characters, basically. So uh, I wish they'd been a bit clearer yeah. about what was going on in that scene. Yeah. But that was it. That was the points and Easter eggs and stuff that we noticed within the episode. Uh, one tiny little thing that did bother me uh, uh, about the episode was, how does everybody know Picard's catchphrases?
2: <laughs> Damn it. Like, I, like everybody I is was sitting around
0: waiting for him to say, engage. Even Elnor, who would have no idea, even if it was something that was on the curriculum in Starfleet that everybody saw the bridge of the Enterprise and saw, uh, you know, episodes that were created for their training in Starfleet. There are some characters there that shouldn't know this, but everybody seems to get really excited when he says engage. Um, And we also have a moment where Dr. Girardi says to him, make it so she would never have heard that phrase before. <laughs> Why is she excited about saying make it sound to him? So I was very well justified uh, be having a reaction like this to it, because the other day on Ready Room, the uh, the after show that Will Wheaton does, um, Patrick Stewart and uh, the actress who plays Agnes Jurati, Alison Pill, were talking about that particular scene, and he said he didn't want it in the show, but she pushed so hard and begged with him so much to be the one to say it that he allowed her to do it, but he didn't want it in the show because he thought it was going to be too much fan service. There you go. So I'm on the side of Sir Patrick Stewart as well.
2: (laughs) And it's a good side to have. Uh, But Uh for me, it was really, um, do you remember that joke in Family Guy where it's like, oh, they said the name of the show in the show. It was kind of like that. I was just like, that makes no sense. Neither of those makes sense. Like, it's not like (laughs) Riker has made a joke out of it. Like, Mm -hmm. and then they're following on the joke. But yeah. No, because Sochi's the, the only so one who's met, right? Like, it was kind of like, unless there's like the life of times of Jean-Luc Picard mm-hmm. and he's known, like his, like in the. Do you remember the documentary at they yeah. were interview? They were filming at the very beginning. If yeah. they had have called it out and going, "Well, you're you're well known for the for saying X and Y during yeah. these things. You are like you're a war hero. You're like a, a, a your ambassador. You're blah blah blah, and you have an amazing catchphrase in blah and blah." Yeah. They had to call that then go okay well he's known for that it's become.
0: Now they did call that out in the novel they call out that you know cadets hearing him say engage or hearing him say things on the bridge it goes across well I just probably this particular crew of people, all waiting in anticipation of him staying "engaged," felt like, "Why is
2: this happening?" Say that anyway. He's gonna say the line. He's gonna say the
0: line. Anyway, that closes out of episode ten of Star Trek Picard. John, overall, what do you think of episode ten of Picard? After episode nine, wasn't was a little bit of a disappointment.
1: Oh, uh, for me, I I really like this. Episode. It's not perfect. And I think the, the notes, unfortunately, pull, um, a, a lot of those points out. Um, but they're, they're kind of minor for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, uh, I, I give this four and a half Uber synths out of five. Excellent. Um, for me, it was the absolute emotional core of Jean-Luc Picard with data, Jean-Luc Picard with, uh, Rafi. Uh, and Elnor effectively passing away. I think the absolute balls of bringing him back as, um, as a synth. Uh, I think really interesting, really tease it up. Um, I love the, uh, emotional elements of Riker, uh, and, uh, Jean-Luc having that moment, uh, on, on the bridges of their respective ships. And also just the big uh, standoff between the two fleets. Um, yes, I would have liked to have known a bit more about the Shalamalamalam, dingadongs uh, <laughs> coming out of the, the wormhole or from Greece. Um, and I would have certainly liked to have seen a bit more of a, an ending for Sutra, um, and Narek um or at least some hint of their ending or what is to come um and i think yeah talking about uh, catchphrases then uh, yeah th- there's a little issues but i i give it a strong one i definitely defend it uh, because um i think the emotional uh, highs of seeing this iconic character doing what he's doing was amazing
3: mhm
0: absolutely i uh, totally echo that uh, chris what do you think
2: uh, so I know we're gonna do a kind of more seasonal wrap up, uh, later. So um, I'll talk about my overall thoughts at that point. Um, as a standalone episode, I'm with John. It's like, yep, we've we've uh, going through the notes. We've talked about the good. We've talked about the bad. Was it better than nine? Yep. Was it better than some of the other episodes? No. Um, it it was satisfying, but at the same time. It wasn't in certain aspects, but it was emotional, but at the same time, it was hair pullingly questioning. Okay. Kinda, uh, so as a finale, it was good. Mm-hmm. So it kind of on that scale of good, bad, great, that kind of like, if I was to put it, I, I'd have it as very good, but mm-hmm. it, it wasn't a great. It wasn't like a a like gymnastics eight point like you know that triple flip back flip where they land and everyone's like oh nine 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 dead dead dead. it wasn't a perfect landing, um right. but it was a good superhero landing if that makes any like if that helps
0: <laughs> superheroes have to come into everything don't they, they do. um for me I think it was a very satisfying ending to the show I think that's like that's the best I could have asked for uh for the show we, we were quite down after watching episode 9 and having to wait a week and going oh gosh we thought they couldn't mess up the show uh, because we <laughs> loved most episodes right the way up to episode 9 we were going oh no I guess they can mess up the show if they go down this particular path and and work the story this way and that's how they're going to end the show oh no we we may have pinned our tail to the wrong donkey <laughs> but it turned out they did a really good job with episode 10 and um episode 9 I'll just put down to unfortunately just a bad episode um it yeah. shouldn't have happened because the series is 10 episodes and everything should be building uh to each other that felt like they just forgot bits in episode nine and they still have the same problem uh in episode 10 but it doesn't matter as much because the resolution for the series works well uh for uh, the ongoing story that we heard from the first episode all the way through to the end Picard has had his realisation now. He knows who he is and knows where he wants to go in the future and everybody else around him are really good characters now. So hopefully uh, Season 2 will be uh, just as good as the overall Season 1. That's where I'll be.
2: Yes, hopefully.
0: If you have any thoughts about Star Trek Picard, we'd love to hear from you. Email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. You can also send in your answers to the pub quiz question that John's been running uh, throughout the show. Uh, Get get your answers in before Wednesday, and hopefully we will have a winner on our next podcast. We do have a little bit of feedback for this episode. Our first piece of feedback comes in from Jim Carey. He says, I never gave it voice, but I knew the opening credit visuals were a graphic overture. From the start, I noted the fragments coming together to make Picard and thought partway through... Could they be revealing that at some point he was going to be a construct? As of last episode, everyone else seemed to know where this was going, and I had a different idea that his salvation would come by way of the Imaginate Fixed Tool. I stated that theory up to the point where he was sitting on the chair in the background when he was having, just after he was having his attack. Also, who did we not hear from this season? I've rewatched so much lately, my head is spinning, but was it Geordie and Beverly that we haven't heard from? Finally, did anyone else think the rendezvous with Data was going to be a very quick cameo by Q? Thanks so much for the feedback, Jim. Uh Yeah, I, I know what you mean. When you get the Imagine It Fix tool stuck in the show, you're suddenly going, oh, they're going to fix the entire show with that. <laughs> Stick the tool out. Imagine that that Picard's not dead. Um, I'm sure it can put them together again. So I'm glad they didn't do
3: that.
1: Yeah, likewise. I would have been interesting to have the cameo by Q in, in that simulation with Data mm. and Jean-Luc. That would have been really fascinating to see what they would have come up with there. And it's not one I'm personally against. So, mm. uh, yeah, I, I like that idea. Um, and, yeah, we didn't get much of Beverly. I think there was at least a bleak reference with, to Geordie around the attack on Mars mm-hmm. and, and so on beforehand yeah uh, and uh, and of course yeah i like the the graphic overture uh idea as well i think that's uh it, that's
0: a really nice thing to have that connection from the very start in a way mm-hmm. uh, the only the big characters i could think of that we didn't hear from was wesley crusher we haven't heard anything about what happened to him but he did leave the show around season five or season six i think yeah wharf of course that we haven't heard yeah. from um there is very very good details given about where Worf is, where Jordy is, and where Beverly Crusher are. They're mentioned in the novel if you do want to know what's happening to them. Actually, there's only one scene with Beverly. You don't hear much about where she is in, in, uh, in the universe, but there's, there's stuff in there if you want to, you want to find out where they are. The only other character we haven't heard about is Guinan. It's Guinan. And we know that she was invited for
1: season two by uh, Jean-Luc Picard personally in the form of Patrick Stewart sir Patrick as year, potentially so exactly. a synthetic <laughs> exactly
2: yeah no um I'd be interesting to see. Well, who who will continue to come back now? Or have they done the cameos for season two? Yeah. That'd be, yeah. I'm, I'm interested. Yes, but thank you, Jim, for all that feedback. We also mm-hmm. had some feedback from Donald Dennis, who said, I'm watching it now and trying not to read the other posts with spoilers. The whole <laughs> mind melt thing from last episode could have been skipped and the information transfer handled easily if they had to hook the doctor up to the scanner the captain used to upload his personality in the holomatrix for all of his emergency holograms.
0: There you go. That's the way you solve that. The stupid idea of do, of having a synthetic being doing a, a mind meld with somebody could have been solved so easily. And they had the technology there on the planet as well. Yeah. Oh, thanks, Donald.
2: Yes. Thank you.
0: Completely agree, Donald.
2: Donald finishes with Robocard. Uh, by that he means Picard, but a robot Picard, I'm assuming. Yes, or yes, is like that Robo just Cop. In a, like, yeah, Robocop. <laughs> he's gonna like just, he's gonna just suddenly like twist his leg and like pops a, a phaser. Be amazing. <laughs> um, and then just he finishes off by saying, why didn't they make another golem of Phyllis databanks? Yeah, we, we kind of briefly touched on that as a question of why, <laughs> but we'll, yeah. I suppose we'll see. Um, it, yeah, it's one of the, the, the amazing, Questions that will plague us. But what won't plague us (laughs) is Robocard.
1: (laughs) Yeah, thanks, Donald. Uh, Loving Robocard. Uh, Great uh, idea. I wonder if he will. I know he isn't augmented, but I just wonder if, you know, shoot lasers out of his eyes. No. It would also be a a nice little link to uh, Locutius of Borg uh, as well. And, yeah, Jim, thanks again for the feedback. Mm Mm-hmm. And
0: one final piece of feedback from Dr. Bob Phillips before we close out feedback. Bob says, I did appreciate this release from dealing with the coronavirus threats in real life and being reminded about the key messages of Star Trek. We work together, we work with integrity, we love and we teach by example. Thanks so much for that, Bob. I think that was really good to share with everybody. It's uh, it's a really good sentiment that came to us at the end of this season of Star Trek Picard. Thanks so much, everyone, for joining us. We hope you stay subscribed to the podcast. And if you enjoy what you hear, why not share it with your friends? Because sharing the podcast is sharing the love. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast Industries. We will be back next week, as we mentioned, for our Season 1 wrap-up of Star Trek Picard. And any feedback that you have, if you want to send it into us, you're more than welcome to. And we'll t- discuss it on that episode we'll also have the winner of our 10 forward pub quiz. So make sure you join us for that episode. Uh, finally, we, as we mentioned before, we will be doing penny dreadful city of angels. So get watching the first three seasons of that show before the 26th of April.
2: Yes. And in the COVID times, you've got no excuse. Catch up with us and listen to our dreadful podcasts.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much. Fellow Trekkies and Trekkers. Um, It's a pleasure speaking with you. Uh remember, Keep watching, keep listening, and engage. Bye.
0: Bye. Bye.
2: We're going to ASMR. We're going to talk really slowly and low. <laughs> You're uh, Oh, my God. You say the line. Say the line. Engage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Woo, he said the line. No. Make it. Make it.
0: in Arcadia Ego Part 2. That's my Latin. Do you like it?
2: Yeah. I'm Mm -hmm. I'm proud. You're doing your Latin teacher proud. (laughs) I never had a Latin teacher. I'm not that old. Come on, you are.
0: (laughs) (laughs) She
1: is a classic villain, but they've done some really nice nuances with the character, which um, have been played just so well um, Mm -hmm. by Peyton List. I am thinking of Peyton Manning. That's all I can think of. (laughs) Peyton Manning. (laughs) That's really different. (laughs) That that haircut that Peyton Manning got was just amazing. (laughs) And and he's got no back troubles anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I know he isn't augmented, but I just wondered if, you know, shoot lasers out of his eyes. No. It'd also be a nice little nod to uh, Locutius of Board... of, (laughs) of Cardboard...